0: Are you ready?
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Around the CFL podcast. Anthony here with you today. And we are very excited to have a very special guest with us. So we will be right back and we will get right on to it. I met today's guest at training camp with the Calgary Stampeders last year in 2022. Probably the most fun car ride I've ever had. Sitting in a van with Cameron Judge, Kadeem Carey, and this man. Grey Cup champion, two-time CFL All Star, four-time West Division All Star, 2016 Most Outstanding Lineman. He is the legend. He is the bone crusher. Derek Dennis, welcome to the podcast.
0: Appreciate you having me on, man. Appreciate it. That was
1: that was a good intro, man? Nobody's introduced me that well before. Well, you deserve it. You are the legend and the bone crusher. Appreciate, sure. <laughs>
0: Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. <laughs>
1: All right, so let's go all the way back to the beginning. Originally from Queens, New York, and you played at Temple. What led you to the CFL?
0: Um, yeah, man, I was at a point in my career where uh, my time in the NFL kind of do out, without, and um, I was at a crossroads. I was trying to figure out if I was going to continue to play football, or, you know, go into the real world. and um, You know, I asked my agent to uh, if he had any uh, connections in the CFL, and he uh, said, yeah, he knew uh, John Murphy, reached out to Murphy. Murphy uh, got my NFL film to Pat Delmonico and pushed Del Monaco like what he saw. And uh, they brought me up to Calgary in twenty end of the 2015 season.
1: You played in a few NFL teams before that, such as the Dolphins, Patriots, Bears, and the Panthers, previously to Calgary, but you also played for the Arizona Rattlers of the Indoor Football League. What was yeah. that experience like playing the Indoor League? And how does it differ from the CFL and NFL?
0: Honestly, um, the indoor league was, it was fun, man. It was, it was a, it was, I think it was a needed time because it kind of helped me hone on my skills as an offensive lineman because the way the arena game is set up, man, it's pretty much just one-on-ones across the field. Um, even as a lineman, it's pretty much 60 minutes of one-on-one. So I think that kind of helped uh, hone my pass pro skills and, I always tell dudes the the American guys who come up to the CFL and have immediate success are guys with arena background. I mean, you look at, you know, Kamar Jordan, you look at Eric Rogers, you look at uh me, you look at um, you know, another, Officer another Mr. Rogers. Like a lot of guys, a lot of American guys who had success in the CFL, they have an arena arena football background. That's because you're doing the waggle in the arena, you're doing um one-on-ones, right? You know, as a tackle and up north with that yard off the ball, you're kind of on the island, right? So doing 60 minutes of on one-on-ones 18 times, you know, in a season is, is going to hone your pass pro skills, man, especially to run blocking. It's one-on-one run blocking, so make sure a better run blocker. So um, I, I've always been a firm believer of, especially like if I was a scout in the CFL, man, I would always try to look for arena guys to um, come in and fill spots because those guys are, are kind of used to the CFL game already in the sense of how, how arena is run.
1: A couple of weeks ago, we had Emmanuel Arsenault on the show, and uh, he said the same thing that he played some time down at arena ball and it helped him out when he came back up again uh, after COVID. Um, you said that you came up late in the 2015 season, but 2016 was your your monster breakout year. You won the most outstanding lineman award and you were the biggest factor in Jerome Messam leading the league in rushing yards that year. Um, how did the 2016 season boost your confidence in the CFL?
0: I wouldn't say boost my confidence. Uh, if anybody knows me, they know that confidence has always kind of been there. So 2016 was just the, it was the platform that I finally got the opportunity to show everybody else what I already knew and what I believed in myself. So um Yeah, man, I had a great relationship with Messam because we actually spent um, my rookie year in the NFL, Messam was in Miami with me, so um, that's where I first met him, so I kind of knew about Mess before I got up to Canada, so um, naturally when he uh, ended up on Calgary, you know, it was just, you know, kind of simple in the sense of, you know, him and I just, you know, linking up, he was actually my roommate in 2016, so I lived with him, so I saw him every day, we talked every day, so it kind of helped build that camaraderie, that relationship, to where it, it transitioned over to the field.
1: Of course, 2016 wasn't always wasn't all you know great news and great things happening off the field. Obviously, there was the tragic loss of uh, Mylan Hicks. Global News and Nancy Hicks did a great uh, article, and they did a really great piece, and you were a part of it. How does that affect you, even in during the 2016 season, and even up to today with what happened and with you actually being there at the time?
0: Uh it uh it definitely um changed my perspective on life for sure. Um I was talking I actually talking about this earlier with somebody and I was just saying how I think um in a ways it made me a better teammate. Um, because I I cared more about the guys I shared locker room for. Not to say that I didn't care about them before, but um losing my was tough, man, especially for me because I was the guy who witnessed it. So um it just changed my whole perspective on how I treat guys from top to the bottom of the roster. Um, I always try to, you know, be big bro in a sense, um, embrace, love, shut out, care. You know, losing Miley hit me tough, man. Cause I felt like I could have did more to save him. Like, you know, I was, you know, trying to, you know, I wasn't quick enough to get there in time to help to to stop, you know, what happened to him. And and Mylon was a good dude, man. He was a, he was a really good dude, man. Just sucks that the worst things always happen to the greatest people so and Myland was definitely one of those great people man so um yeah I, I, it just it just kind of changed my perspective on life it changed my perspective on how i approach things um and it changed my perspective on you know just just being an overall human being
1: I've seen how you are as that big bro in the locker room I mean I saw it Last year in training camp, even after you had uh, the injury, you were still coming out on crutches, on the sidelines during the games, and you were still being that guy. It doesn't happen very often in the CFL, but you won most outstanding uh, offensive linemen, but then you were off to Saskatchewan. Um, How was the transition going from winning that award with the Stampeders, now you're going to play for the Riders?
0: It was a big transition. Wanted to put a target on my back because guys around the league was trying to show that I wasn't as good as I was touted to be. Um, another one that did was um, just kind of put me in the spotlight, which doesn't happen often for an offensive lineman. Um, you don't really see too many offensive linemen kind of in that spotlight, in that realm, in the sense normally it's the, the position guys, receivers, the running backs, quarterbacks, DBs, right? But um, Roderville is uh, I always compared to, like, being a Dallas Cowboy. It's like whether they're good or bad, fan base is rabid. They're gonna hold you to high expectations, and when you don't essentially meet those lofty expectations, then they look at you as a as a bust or somebody who wasn't successful there. So um, it's tough being in those like those those flags those flagship franchises, and and not um, you, know, uh, you know you know you're held to a different standard than than other places. So um, I mean, I felt like my th- I love my time in in, in man. I love my time in Saskatchewan, Regina. Um, it was it was definitely I made some great made some great friends, some lifelong friends. I'm still friends with a lot of the guys I play with, um, especially on the offensive line. Um and it's it's uh it's unfortunate that it didn't work out the way I had dreamed that it, it would. Uh, you know, if it was, you know, up to me, the script would have been something similar to what you know Stanley Bryant had when he left Calgary and went to Winnipeg, right? It would have been, you know, somewhere along those lines. So um I guess, you know, in 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 hindsight and has just meant for me to be a Calgary Stampede long term.
1: Yeah, because right after that, you were back in Calgary again for stint number two. Uh, what happened? What brought you back to Calgary again after you left to go to Saskatchewan and then come back?
0: I would probably say familiarity, one. Two, um, I know that offense like the back of my hand, man. I know those coaches. I know how they coach, how they prepare their players. And it's definitely an environment that, you know, I'm successful in. Um, I kind of, you know, liken the feel of being a, a Calgary Stampede to like being a New England Patriot. Like when you walk in the door, you know the standard, you know how it is. It's a winning culture. You know, coaching staff from the top, you know, even Huff, like they've been there a long time to kind of, you know, input that that culture. And they know Huff does have that history with the Patriots, so it, it makes sense why they have a similar um, field demeanor in the sense being in the building. So. Uh, but it's an environment that I knew like as a player I would be successful because I'm um I like to consider myself a cerebral player I'm very smart very knowledgeable and I like to play the game that way I like to be prepared that way so I guess when I'm around coaches um per se that's not you know on that same wavelength in the sense of 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 uh knowledge and and deep diving into the game like I mean like you get a you've been in training camp you get a game from Calgary it's like it's like an analytic you know playbook like you know, everything's broken down down to the down to the to the to the year to the you know that type of thing so that's the type of player that you know i've always been so being in the in calgary environment was always really um you know i i, I thrived in it because it just fit my my personality and my style of play um so yeah it just made sense to go back there and just get back in a place where i knew i could be myself i knew i can um drive in an offense and i knew you know the people i was around the guys i was playing with um and that's, that's a big thing, man. I tell guys all the time, you know, your first time in free agency, of course, it's going to be about the dollar, but as you go good, as you get older and you go through the system and you go through the business of football, you realize that um, those are the factors in the sense of, you know, location, in the sense of, you know, how the coach staff treat you in the sense of, you know, how they prepare you, um, you know, the guys you're playing with, the schemes you're in, right. All those things are very important that you have to take account for. So, um, I, I, you know, it was my first time going through it. I, I learned my lessons, and every time I got a chance to, you know, come back, I would always reach out and say, "Hey, you know, can we make this work?" And they were always, you know, in, inviting to bring me back. So that just kind of speaks to, you know, what I did, what I did, and the impression that I left.
1: How special was the Grey Cup with the Stampeders?
0: It was like amazing. The, man.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just being with amazing. the Stampeders, right?
0: <laughs> I mean, it was. It, it what made it even better is we did it in Edmonton, and we got to tear up their locker room. So if I mean if you know that rivalry between Calgary and Edmonton, man, that was that was a thing, right? Uh, you know, it, I, I probably would have felt some type of way if Edmonton was in that 2019 breakup and tearing up our locker room as opposed to Winnipeg doing it. Like it didn't really bother me. Winnipeg did it, but I mean, we we made a point to <laughs> tear up that that Edmonton, that home locker room, um, you know, being Stan Peters and winning it in Commonwealth, man, that's that's a, you can't put a price tag on that.
1: How vicious is that Labor Day Classic on the field from a Stampeders side? You're playing on the field. You're essentially going through like a train wreck with those guys. Like you're hitting each other every couple seconds. But it's the it's the Labor Day Classic. How how how? What does that mean to you?
0: Playoff game in a sense, man. It's a big rivalry game. I mean, it's it's those those big rivalry games, right? And I got a chance to to be a part of the two biggest ones, right? I did it in Sass against Winnipeg, Banjo Bowl, and Labor Day. Like, that's crazy, too. But it's like, it doesn't matter how good or bad your team is. You win those games, fan base is normally in a a pretty decent mood. Like, they will does say, hey, yeah, the season ain't going as planned, but at least we won the Labor Day game. Like, at least we won the the Labor Day rematch, right? So, that's how it is in Calgary, man. Like, uh, you lose the – you know, whoever wins that game is kind of like bragging rights for the year, like – you know, for the province. You know what I'm saying? That Battle of Alberta, it's a, it's a big, it's a big tag on it. So, um, in the past, I mean, not the recently it hasn't been as competitive as it normally is, but um, well, at least not last year, but, you know, before that, it's normally, um, it's normally a big game, man. I mean, even in 2021, like, I think Edmonton went through that COVID situation and they came back and won the Labor Day game, right? And that was kind of like a small silver lining for the year, even though they had, like, you know, a terrible season. Like, you know, most of the people were like, hey, you know, we won Labor Day, so, <laughs> um, yeah, that's just that's just that's just the you know the nature of the rivalry, man. It's a, always a playoff atmosphere, and when both teams are, um, you know, I got my first taste of it in 2015 when both teams were like cream of the crop of the league, man, and that's that Edmonton 2015 defense, man. You got Odell Willis, you got, uh, um, man, you had Amando Sewell, you had uh, Dexter McCoyle, you had, um. Dion Lacey, you had like they had they had dogs, man. Watson, they had dogs on that defense. So um, it was a it was playing against a Jones defense. You know that year, that was like my first you no know, experience with Jones, and I realized like man, it's a it's a different type of game, man. So um, yeah, it's a, it's always a big rivalry game. It's always a big game to win, man. It's definitely something that's that, you know always circle that to make sure you get that done each year.
1: Uh, the next few years, uh, definitely had their share of issues. I mean, COVID-19 shut down the 20 season. Uh, you went to the XFL and then the XFL of a suspended operation of the entire league at that point, yeah. what's going through your head. Okay. So the CFL season's gone. XFL now just went down the toilet. What's going on in a player's head at that point? What like specifically for you?
0: Well, I just, you know, I football was over for me, man. Um, I kind of moved on to the next phase of life, started working, um, being a family man. And I got a chance to see what the other side of the, um, you know, the other side of the rainbow is. And it wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. So um, just, um, I, I mean, I did miss the game. I did uh, miss being able to, um, you know, get dressed every weekend and go out and play games, and compete and be in, be in a locker room and, you know, camaraderie of being around your teammates and hanging out with those guys and enjoying, you know, road trips and things of that nature. But, uh, the pandemic basically um, forced me to get my life after football together. Right, it was something that I kind of put on the back burner. I figured, and I still got another eight, nine years of playing pro football, man. But you don't realize, man, it's such a finite career, and it could be gone tomorrow. You know, pandemic, injury, um, you know, roster, you know, the coaching changes, like whatever. The case there's all different types of factors that could just it could be gone before you even realize it, it was, you know, before you really understand what you're a part of. So uh yeah. I just um I just kinda went back to the went to that other side of life and just kinda forgot about football and then uh you know I did get the I got the offer to go to Edmonton but I just you know I didn't like the situation so I just decided to you know just kind of you know stay, stay home with my family and, and enjoy them.
1: Yeah, that's actually what my next question was going to be, was during that time you had a two-year deal with the Elks happening, um, and then you just said that you didn't like the situation. What about the situation really were you not feeling?
0: Brock Sunderland, honestly. I just didn't trust him. Um, I didn't trust, you know, he would say one thing and do something else. And, uh, you know, I originally when I originally signed on, I signed on to play for Scott Milanovic, and then Milanovic left and went to the NFL, and then he, you know, knew they was going to hire Jamie because him and Jamie was close. And um, after, so, so what happened was, you know, uh, suddenly called me, said, hey, you know, you interested in still playing football. I'm like, yeah. He's like, no, I've always been a big fan of yours. He actually met my mom at the Grey Cup in 2018 and like sat at the bar and talked to my mom. So I thought like, you know, my mom had nice things to say about him. I thought, you know, it was, you know, something, maybe a good situation. So he was just telling me a bunch of stuff, right? I, at that time, you know, to come back from COVID, it was a lot of, you know, but just cool stuff, the business, you know, you know, kind of monetary stuff. So he basically was like, hey, you know, I can't really do much for you in year one, but I'll give you a little, you know, something in year two. So I'm like, okay, me, I was just so thirsty to get back to the game. I realized how much I missed it. I just was like, all right, cool. I'll take it. You know, I, you know, I asked around. Some guys were like, okay, that's not a bad deal type of thing. And, after, um, but I didn't talk about it with my, you know, with the boss, my significant other, and I had two kids at the time, so um, I signed a deal, um, and I, I brought the deal to her, told her, hey, I'm going to go back and play football. She, you know, what are they paying? What's she going to do? You're going to be able to take care of their, you know, expenses, blah, 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 you know, that type of stuff, right? So, you know, I gave her the deal. She looked it over, and she was like, did you read this? And I was like, no. <laughs> she was like, yeah, this is, uh, this is, um, this isn't, you're not going to be able to do nothing with this. And then, the season got shortened, so the money was even cut even more. So then it was like, you're making that money now working. Like, Why would you leave that to go, you know, leave us here and go play football and you're not going to be able to, you know, may not be able to do what you need to do type of thing. So I called up Brock. I just explained to him, like, hey, you know what? You know, I didn't really talk to child with my family. You know, wife's not really feeling too good about it. You know, I appreciate the opportunity. You know, just you could just release me out the deal and give it to somebody else who's really going to want it or come play, and I'll just, you know, figure things out from there. That's how I approached him. And he was just like, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to let you out the deal, you know, X, Y, Z. Hey, we'll try to figure something out. You know, just keep it keeps between us. Maybe I'll try to give you, you know, we'll have a gentleman's agreement. I'll try to give you some more money. So I said, okay, all right, cool. I'm thinking he's going to try to figure it out to, you know, make the situation better for me. And then he goes and re-signs Sir V after he initially told me he wasn't going to bring him back. So then when he did that, and most people don't know, we get a chance to see contract numbers from everybody in the league because it's on the PA site. So he was paying, you know, Servi, double what he told me. He told me he didn't have no money for me. He gave him double. So I go, okay, you're paying him to be a starter. And then they read up, you know, the other tackle that they already had that was starting for them. They gave him a new deal and read him up. So I'm going, okay, you got two starters. That makes me eyeball out. Okay, so I called him. Said, "Hey, you know, so I see you re-signed for V. That means you're going to release me." He goes, "Oh, no, no, no! I'm not going to release you. Like I've made it to where I can afford all you guys. Like you guys are going to compete." And I said, "No, we're not going to compete. I'm not dumb. Like I know the business. If you're paying guys a certain amount of money, you're they're not. You're not paying them to come in and win the job. You're paying them because the job is theirs." So, um, yeah, you would have Jamie call me and try to talk to me like, "Oh, you know, that's not." You know, I'm looking to have you part of the organization, blah, blah 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 blah, and I'm like, man, I'm not falling for the, I'm not falling for for the flap So, I basically told him, I'm like, listen, I just want my release. Just give me a release and let me figure it out. And they kept telling me no, kept telling me no, kept telling me no. And then it was like, you know, it got to the point where Jamie basically was. Other teams tried to trade for me. Um, when the season came close, kept telling people like, if he's not gonna play for me, he's not gonna play for anybody. So, that's kind of why I had to sit out the whole season. And I just, you know was so so distressed on trying to get out the deal get up get out of it it's kind of why I went on Twitter and I was just kind of going crazy and just trying to talk bad about everybody because I wanted to force their hand and just be like all right we just need to get rid of this guy because he's just not he's bringing too much bad publicity you know they was already going through a lot of bad pub and stuff so and I, I mean everybody ended up seeing that I was right about everything I was saying at first everybody was trying to make it seem like I was being a crybaby and oh, you're you, you complaining, oh, you know, honor your contract, da-da-da. But I'm like, man, teams can cut a guy tomorrow and not pay me. Why can't I have that same freedom to say, hey, you know what, I don't want the deal because you just let me go and I'll just figure it out type of thing, right? So, um, yeah, that's kind of how that situation played out. But, uh, yeah, I'm a firm believer as a player, man. Like, You got your own power. You got your own right, man. You don't really have to. You don't have to play. You don't have to do anything. Like, Yeah, you may have signed a contract, but, I mean – it's either you play and you get paid, or you don't you don't play and you don't get paid. You just gotta live with those things I'm comfortable enough with my skin to know I can handle myself without, you know, relying on football to be my main source of income to take care of, you know, my, my life and my family, my children, my home, that type of stuff. So that's kind of what it became.
1: When uh, Brock left and of course G. Roy Simon comes in, Chris Jones comes into the Elks. Was there any conversation at all about trying to keep you around for the twenty twenty two season? Or was that like after your contract expired, that was it? You were out, you were done. Oh no, hell
0: no. It wasn't no conversation. I already knew Jones would cut because he was the head coach in SAS and he hated me there. Like we didn't he didn't he wasn't he's not a big fan of mine. So um I knew once Jones got the job, I knew for sure I was gonna get cut. And then uh, you know, G-Roy called me maybe like a week or two after they was announced that they were hired, and he was like, hey, you know, we're gonna let you out the out your deal, or whatever. And I'm like, cool, thanks, appreciate it. Best of luck to you guys. And then um I reached out to Coach Delmonico. He was like, hey, I'm free. Um, if you guys, you know, want me to come back, I'm open to it. And, you know, he told I guess he told Huff. Huff reached out to me and made something working. That's how I was able to get back to Calgary uh last season.
1: Through the years, I mean, Huff's been a part of basically every contract and every stint that you've had coming through. What's your relationship today with Huff? I mean, now that he has stepped away from the GM position into just keeping the president position, but what's your relationship today with Huff?
0: I mean, it's always been business with Huff. I don't really have a personal relationship in the sense like he doesn't call or text me to check on me and see how I'm doing type of thing, but it's always been a mutual respect. I respect Huff and his position and what he does and um, he's always had a respect for me as a player and what I bring to the table. So we've always kind of worked on just a, you know, mutual, you know, better uh, try to be, um, you know, business-like as possible. But I know I, I have a ton of respect for Huff and you know, I, I hope to, you know, feeling is mutual.
1: Football players like wine, right? We get better with age and things always get better that way. How was the, uh, how was getting, uh, getting back on the field from the crack fibula and how was that rehab kind of in the – not. I don't want to be rude, but the later stages of a career?
0: Uh, I mean, right now it's just just trying to take care of it. I mean, I'm still – I got young kids, man, all all under the age of five, man. They keep me active. So um, I got to get this angle right for them, first and foremost, more than, than in football. So uh, that's really just my focus is um, just getting it healthy enough for my kids and, and be able to play with my kids and run around with my kids and my family and that type of stuff. So um, – yeah, I mean, it's 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 going fine. I, I've always been an athlete. I've always been a guy who's been really good on his feet and able to do stuff. I, mean, I was in the gym this morning working out, squatting and stuff, so it doesn't stop me from from training or anything like that. But, um, you know, your body, you know, as you get older, your body responds to things a little differently, so you just got to be a little smarter uh, in the sense of, like, diet. You know, it ain't like I'm 24 where I could just, you know, eat McDonald's and, drink a ton of beer and roll out the bed and go play, you know, type of thing. I can't do that anymore. I got to be a little more conscious about what I'm putting in my body and how I'm training and those types of things. But it hasn't really uh, hindered me in the sense of anything I do. I don't feel any different. I don't feel like, you know, my body's not any you know, – aches and pains come with playing this game for a long time. It's just kind of part of the nature of it
1: and your ankle does need to be uh, strong this year because, of course, the quarterback position has changed. It's going to look a little bit different in training camp this year with the departure of Bo Levi-Mitchell heading up to Hamilton and Jake Mayer is now QB1. What are your thoughts on how the offense is going to look in 2023?
0: Honestly, I don't know. I don't really know. Um, Jake is uh, he's really good at being, you know, making good reads and getting the ball out of his hand quick and, you know, getting to check downs and stuff like that. Um, Bo was never really... Big on the checkdowns and stuff like that, but he's always you know good at knowing where he wanted to go with the ball when he wanted to go with it, so and he wasn't scared to take shots so they're definitely two different types of quarterbacks um but what they're what they do they're both cerebral guys, man they're both smart, you know how to play within the system, so I'm expecting Jake to kind of just come into his own and be a little more comfortable now that he knows he's the starter and he's the man he's not really just trying to compete for reps and you know the reps are his, and just how he approaches that will be. Um, I guess the thing to watch in camp, but um, yeah, man, Bo's my guy, man. He's always been my guy. He's still going to be, he's always, you know, he's still going to be my guy, even though he's a hamster. I hope he has a, a great bounce back year and shit. I mean, if it's up to me, I would love to see him in a great cup type of thing. So um, yeah, man, that's just, uh, you know, I don't really know what the offense is going to look like or what's going to be the direction of the philosophies are going to change because it's two different types of quarterbacks. Um, But we'll see. We'll see how things go.
1: Does it ever freak an offensive lineman out when you see a guy like Tommy Stevens, just like bootleg to the left and take off for like 40 yards?
0: (laughs) No, it doesn't, man. I like that type of stuff. Honestly. Um, I've had quarterbacks in the, I've played with quarterbacks in the past in college who were runners who would take off. So it's not nothing that I'm not used to, but Tommy's definitely a different, I mean, I, I spent a year with Cam Newton, so, um, it's not a prototype that I haven't seen before or been around. So, um, Tommy's definitely um, a unique guy. He has, you know, big arm, a lot of arm strength. People haven't really seen him throw it, but the guy can – he can chuck it, man, for real. Um, and he's a big body. He's fast. He's deceivingly fast for a guy his size. So, he's definitely um, someone who's – and he has a little bit of background, too, with playing, like, receiver, tight end, too. So, um, he's he's definitely uh, – I think that's part of the reason why Calgary may feel comfortable with him being number two because – He's a guy that's gonna be able to force the defense to uh, be a little more honest because when the quarterback is kind of a wild card in the sense of he can carry the ball himself and he can do a lot of different things, it makes the offense a little more unique and it gives, you know, the office coordinator a little more um, you know, savvy uniqueness to kind of, you know, keep the defense honest and throw them off their hills type of thing. So yeah, Tommy's definitely gonna be a guy to watch uh, moving forward.
1: After signing your extension in January uh, word on the street is that this is it for you. Is that true? Is this your last season? Yeah. Yeah. I'm done man. I'm
0: done. Um, honestly probably could play another six years, but like I said, I got a grown family. One is a personal family. My kids are getting older. You know, my oldest is five. He's getting to that age now where he wants to get into sports and, you know, me being there and being able to be present has become important to me too. Um, another thing is the business side of it, man. I just, I don't, I, I, if I'm being honest, I don't get the respect. I feel like I deserve every time I hit free agency. So, um, for me to just put my body on the line and do the things that I'm able to do and be able to play through injuries. Like most of the time people don't even know I'm hurt because I could play through it all the time. Like I don't really, it has to be like, you know, me breaking my ankle was probably the first serious injury I've had since college. So, um, and that's, you know, I just feel like, uh you know, I'm a certain echelon of player. And I, I thought I would be, you know, treated a certain way. And because I wasn't, it's just, I'm just tired of dealing with the, the business side of things, man. A lot of people think it's not just about putting on a helmet and pads and going out there and playing, man, at this level. It's a business first and foremost, man. So if um, football is not allowing me to do things that I want to do and take care of my family the way I need to take care of them, then, you know, as much as I do want to play, Sometimes you just got to know when to walk away.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. And, I mean, I can see that just from, I mean, not only, like, on your social media, from, like, Instagram, Twitter. But, I mean, I can see that, that why aren't you snatched up instantly when the window opens, right? So, I can definitely see that. Um, You and uh, one of our past guests, Charleston Hughes, always have a really fun back and forth on Twitter. Um, A while back, you guys were going back and forth about how, you know, you want to talk about going into coaching after the, after your playing day is done. He chimed in. And then of course I did too with the special team stuff, but, um, is that a plan for you heading on after the game, after you're done on the field is coaching an option?
0: Possibly. Possibly. Um, either that, my first passion is media. I want to get into media and doing that type of stuff. So, um, one of those two are going to be the, the the routes that I'm going to pursue with the heaviest, um, once I, you know, hang them up
1: officially. Media would be fun for you for sure. I could definitely see that hundred yeah, yeah, percent. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. what are you most looking forward to in 2023 now that, I mean, you have confirmed that this is the last ride?
0: Uh, nothing, man. I'm just looking forward to soaking in, enjoying every day and just enjoying being in the atmosphere and just, you know, not taking it for granted in a sense, man. Just, uh, Enjoying my last moments, having fun with the guys, you know, hopefully winning a lot of games and Lord willing, go out with a great goal.
1: What do you do outside of the game? So, um, I mean, like I know that you do a, a bit of work, you know, giving back and stuff like that. What what kind of stuff are you involved with and what kind I know that you run camps as well, right?
0: Yeah, I do a little training. a do skills training for offensive linemen on the side. I do a lot of stuff, man. I just uh try to keep myself busy um and finding ways to, you know, again, bring in money. Uh, Because as a CFL player, you know, we're not paid the millions of dollars NFL guys are. So you got to be able to, you know, six months is a long offseason of not getting paid. So you got to be able to be versatile and diverse in the sense of of income. So, um, yeah, man, I try to use my degree. You know, I do the media stuff, I do offensive line training stuff. Um, Just, again, I just try to keep myself busy.
1: Thank you so much. I know that we've been trying to connect for a little while here to make this happen. I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much. Congratulations on not only the extension, but just the amazing career you've had. Um, It's been a pleasure getting to know you off the field and it's also an honor to have you on the podcast here today. So I wanted to say thank you.
0: Absolutely, man. I appreciate you, Anthony, man. Thanks for the invite.
1: I would like to finish off this week's episode a little differently. You heard me reference Nancy Hicks earlier in the episode. She has an amazing true crime podcast called Crime Beat. Please check this podcast out, but especially season four, episode four from November 29th of 2021 called Blindsided, the Mylan Hicks story. You will love how amazing Nancy is and you will also hear more from Derek Dennis about the events that unfolded that day. Well, that is it for us this week. You can follow us on Instagram at Around the CFL Podcast, and you can find us on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Pandora, Google, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And please go ahead and give us a five-star rating if you're loving what we're doing. We'll be back next week with another episode, but until then, we'll see you later.